Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider presented by Scout Logistics. Matthew Collar here along with you. And believe it or not, I had recorded a podcast this morning with ESPN's Courtney Cronin in which we talked about the Daniil Hunter situation. And since recording the podcast, as so often happens to me with every bit of Vikings breaking news, this came out after we recorded that podcast, which you'll hear the rest of it and not the Daniil Hunter parts after I tell you about the news, which is James Jones of NFL Network reporting that sources have told him Daniil Hunter will be in attendance for minicamp. So the rest of the conversation with Courtney, in which we talk about who's playing defensive end across from Daniil Hunter, we talk about some of the coverage, uh, media coverage that's going to happen throughout mandatory minicamp and training camp. And even there's some kicker talk thrown in there, I think. So we'll get to that in just a minute. But let me give you my take first here in sort of an emergency podcast fashion on Daniil Hunter showing up to mandatory minicamp. Along the way during this, I'm going to finger quote it controversy or finger quote it situation with Daniil Hunter that began last October with an Ian Rappaport tweet saying that Hunter wants to be the highest paid player in the NFL at his position or he wants to be traded. Since then to right now, there has been almost nothing in terms of reporting involving Daniil Hunter. He has not said anything publicly. The only thing that he's done is put out things on Instagram showing that his muscles are still extremely excessively large. And the Vikings have continued their line of, yep, we expect him to be here. We expect him to show up. And so I think what we have here is a sign that this is going the way it usually goes with contract issues between Vikings players and the Minnesota Vikings. So here's an example. Last year at training camp, we didn't know if Delvin Cook would end up with a contract extension at some point. He was clearly pushing for it. His agent was pushing for it big time. And the Vikings dragged their feet throughout the summer. And eventually we got right before week one and Delvin Cook signs his contract extension. Another example would be Kyle Rudolph signing his extension after a few different media sessions with Kyle Rudolph in which he said there are other teams that want to trade for me and, and so forth. And he eventually got his extension and they worked it out. So I think what recent history tells us, this even goes for Anthony Barr. Barr went and signed with the Jets and then comes back and says, no, actually, I want to stay with you guys. And the Vikings, instead of going, uh, we'd really like that cap space. They said, all right, come back. We'll work it out with you. And even this year, they worked it out with him to stay rather than cutting him. So this has been very much the Vikings line of thinking of let's keep the players that are good and let's make sure they're happy and we work out their deals. So that doesn't mean that it's all set with Daniil Hunter. It only means that the arrow is now pointing very much in the direction of getting a contract worked out with him that can work for both sides. So trying to project this is a little bit difficult, but the, the main issue for Daniil Hunter has to be that he only has $3.3 million guaranteed on the whole rest of his contract and his cash over the next three years is way, way, way below the industry standard for top pass rushers. From the Vikings perspective, though, I'm sure they don't want to say here's three years guaranteed when he has a herniated disc and he's coming off surgery for that. And they just had to trade away another player who had a major neck injury in Mike Hughes that uh, did not work out because of it. So I'm sure that they 
can find a middle ground here between Hunter wants to get the same type of money Joey Bosa has or, or somewhere in the ballpark. He wants to be much more close to the industry standard for top players. Right now, he's scheduled to make, I believe, $12 million in cash each of the next three seasons or 12 and change. That's not what even guys like Frank Clark, who aren't that good, are going to make. So you can see Daniel Hunter's issue, even though he signed this contract back in 2018. But things change, and these contracts can be torn up and thrown out the window, and everybody knows it. So for the Vikings, I think it's wise of them to try to work something out in the middle, especially because if you look at the defensive line, he is so important to them that they can't say, sorry, Daniil, go fly a kite. You're not in a situation where you could say that because there just isn't another guy like Daniil Hunter that you can go out and acquire. They tried to do that last year with Yannick Ngakwe. That did not work out. So instead of going to code orange from code yellow, which is kind of the comparison I would make is like the meter going up into the orange. If Hunter did not show up for mandatory minicamp, I think we stay in the yellow here. Things are not resolved. It's not over. He doesn't have his contract extension and we'll see what ends up happening there. But now everything is going toward, okay, he's going to figure this out. And it would not be a surprise if on the first day of training camp, we hear, Hey, Daniil Hunter has this new contract. Will be interesting to see at mandatory minicamp what Daniil Hunter actually does. Is he participating? Is he out there? Uh, a couple of years ago when Anthony Barr was going through kind of the same thing with his contract issue in, in the Vikings, um, he got insurance so he could show up to OTAs. And that was one of the reasons that he had missed, I think a day or two days was that he was getting insurance and that might be the case with Daniil Hunter, where he gets some sort of huge insurance package. So just in case he gets hurt participating in minicamp, I, I don't know if that's what he's done and we have not heard from him. It will be very interesting to see if we do hear from him and if he downplays this last number of months or if he acknowledges, yeah, there's a bit of a contract issue there and we're going to have to see how we work it out. But no longer are we in, okay, Daniil Hunter is hovering his thumb over the big red button of I'm going to sit out training camp. This says to me that they'll get this worked out. Daniil Hunter will eventually be here for training camp, be here for this season. And then the storyline switches to how does he look as he comes back from his neck injury on a daily basis in training camp. And then when we get to the season, there's going to be two players on the defensive line who did not play at all last year, who now are being asked to play a huge number of snaps. So that storyline has the potential to go away. It doesn't again mean that it's over. And I think maybe part of it is Daniil Hunter already lost out on a hundred thousand dollars for a workout bonus. If the Vikings said, no, we will fine you. If you don't come here and it would be, I think 90 something thousand a day. Well, maybe he didn't want to lose that much money uh, when it comes to taking on those fines until he has to, but I, I just can't see this now him showing up for mandatory minicamp. I just can't see this now staying super contentious throughout the entire summer and ending up in somehow Daniil Hunter being traded. This team does not want to trade Daniil Hunter. They don't have incentive to trade Daniil Hunter. Uh, and, and after investing so much on the defensive side, it would be weird when we talked about it earlier in the off season, Sure. There was a case for it of, Hey, you're revamping your defense. Why don't you add a couple draft picks? 
But with a team that really needs to win this year with Zimmer, who really needs to turn around this defense. You also wonder if Mike Zimmer went to the front office and said, no more screwing around with Daniil Hunter. Let's get it worked out. Now, what that could look like, we'll see. My guess would be that the Vikings, they just have a tendency to always allow themselves an out of any of these contracts or something that could be reworked. So I would guess that however it gets worked out, that they can get out of it after 2022. That's just, that's like my prediction now that we get an announcement on the first day of training camp that the Neil Hunter has reworked his deal and, uh, or we find out through, you know, Ian Rappaport or something, but sometime before camp or early in camp that that's worked out and that the deal ultimately takes them through 2022, but does not lock them in farther than that. And then we get maybe, you know, Rick Spielman saying, we want to make sure every player gets what they're worth here. And there is past precedent for this being Adam Thielen, that he clearly outperformed his contract. They made sure they took care of him. And I think if you're a Vikings fan, this is a thing to kind of hang your hat on a little bit, that even though they have made some mistakes with money, you can never look at them. And this has been the case in other places in this town. And even with this franchise in the past, you can never look at them now and say, oh, they're cheap because they're, they're definitely not, that is not the case. And uh, so I'm, I, I wouldn't declare this saga over if it even is a saga just yet, just because he's going to be here. I really want to see what he does. If he's out there for every snap, then we certainly uh, will have a different feeling than if he's just standing off to the side. Um, but if you're a huge Daniel Hunter fan, this is, I think a, a good day for you because it means this thing is going in the direction that has him playing defensive end for the Vikings this year. So, all right, I'm going to bring you now the rest of the conversation that I had with Courtney Cronin, starting with asking her for a pie chart of who is going to be playing across from Daniil Hunter. Always appreciate everyone listening here to Purple Insider, Courtney Cronin. Hey everyone, summer is here and you're trying to get out on the golf course, but if you're like us here at Purple Insiders, spending all day golfing isn't always an option. That's why you need to check out Birdie Golf in Woodbury. I'll give you an example. My wife is new to golf and she's intimidated by the big courses, but at Birdie Golf, she could come and play without the pressure. You can make golf a family experience at Birdie Golf. Bring the kids, still get all of your swings in. They have eight of the world's best golf simulators where you can sharpen your swing and still have a great time. I've heard from several listeners to the show who have tried out Birdie Golf and absolutely loved it. You'll want to try the whiskey or beer float flights. And every time Sam and I show up at Birdie Golf to record our podcast, we always get the boneless wings. Make golf a night out. It's the perfect place to hold parties, events, fundraisers, and even your fantasy football draft. Check out Birdie Golf at 494 in Valley Creek in Woodbury, just a short drive away from anywhere in the Twin Cities metro at birdiegolf.com, B-I-R-D-I golf.com. Call 651-998-2200 today, and I'll see you there. If Daniil Hunter returns and they work it out, which I still am maintaining that they will, starting opposite him, I'm going to give you three options here. So get get the math wheels turning. Is it DJ Wanham, Stephen Weatherly, or defensive end unknown? Mm-hmm. Give me give me pie chart percentages on that because, like you said, we didn't really get a feel for that in OTAs. No, you're right, and that's you know there was times where they were 
moving Stephen Weatherly around. I know that the first OTA, you had noticed that they were having, using him as a stand-up, like using him to stand up and rush the passer. Then other times he put his hand in the dirt. Like he's done both. I mean, he was he was an outside linebacker, I believe, at, at Vanderbilt. So he has the experience to do a number of different things of where he's going to rush the passer from. But experience-wise, knowing the scheme-wise, he's probably the most – I guess just your easiest um, easiest wager right there in terms of odds. But um, I would say that the order in which it could go would be defensive end to be named later, Stephen Weatherly, and then did you say DJ Wanham? So I guess I'll put it percentage-wise, I'll go 50% for defensive end to be named later, 30% for Stephen Weatherly, and then 20% for DJ Wanham. And the reason I, I have it that high is because – something's got to happen with this team. In ter- I mean, their draft class is basically all signed. You're not worried about that at this point. They've got over $14 million in cap space. There are still some pass rushers available out there. Now, I know y- if you read anybody's offseason, um, you know, who's still available, best of, you know, best free agent available, you're going to see a lot more guys that are, like, interior pass rushers. Like, I know Geno Atkins has been linked here. Why? Because of Mike Zimmer. Solely because of Mike Zimmer. But – I don't know why they would – They, I mean, and you're not going to overpay for guys at this point. This is where you can get guys on, like, very inexpensive deals, sign them right before camp. And if you feel like you just don't have the the what you need at that position, right now is a chance that you have to go out and just get somebody who doesn't have a lot of other options and you don't have to overpay for them. So, and then you still have an upgrade over potentially a Stephen Weatherly or a DJ Wanham. So – I think it's very possible that they go and get somebody like if you're talking about like what's the next position at, or what is the position that they end up spending on in free agency the remainder before camp. I think it's got to be somewhere on the defensive line like you would kind of feel like it'd be overkill at this point if you get another defensive tackle because haven't we been told that they don't need a penetrating three technique. I thought they we had they have said that to you for so, whatever reason I don't know. So then so then why are you going to go get Geno Atkins. Why are you going to go get an interior pass rusher? I mean, so there, there are defensive ends out there. Um, I, you know, I just don't know, like, what, as far as the price, you'll... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Be able to afford it, but like what else would they do? Maybe a wide receiver. I don't think they'll go after anybody on the offensive line, not at this rate, but we'll see. Um, it's interesting. I mean, there's definitely of any position that they still have to fix that's the one because they've you know they've gotten corners like Bashad Breeland was their last you know their you know the, another shot for them to, to land somebody to fix the secondary so not a bad um not a bad play if you're them with 14 million you know in available cap space to go get somebody else doesn't the uh Bashad Breeland signing or breezy as he wants to breezy. be known as um doesn't it say that they kind of get it more than they got it last year? Like last year, at least I'm going to sit with this until they do something else that's wild and surprises us all because that's always possible. Right. But Mm -hmm. last year they had about five different spots where we were asking in training camp, Hey, are you concerned about your depth there at say defensive tackle or corner or whatever? And we got a bunch of, 
uh, I don't know if you guys understand football, but no. And of course that ended up being their undoing last year. Wasn't, it wasn't so much the starting defense. It was the second team defense of guys who could not fill in those spots when players got hurt or when things didn't work out um, for like, say Holton Hill, for example, which God, it feels like 5,000 years ago that Holton <laughs> Hill was starting at corner for the Minnesota Vikings. But it feels like an acknowledgement, like, yeah, last year we probably should have signed some of those cheap guys that were just sitting out there going into training camp to give us a little more depth at some of these positions that that's what they've done there. I don't see why they wouldn't do it. Someone like Justin Houston, who could play 30% of the snaps or Olivier Vernon, who I'm not sure where he is in, in his recovery from his injury, but is a really good player when he's healthy or even uh, Adrian Claiborne, who's like a veteran journeyman pass rusher. I don't understand why they wouldn't go with one of those guys. And then look, if you've got to cut all your bait on, Jalen Holmes and you know Hercules mod ops like who cares I mean none of these guys are impact players to begin with Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense so uh, I'm going to agree and say that there's a very high chance that someone else comes in though I still would go probably Stephen Weatherly is the starter I I think maybe I'm a situational guy it depends who they who they bring in because I mean is that person going to be like how much better is that person than Stephen Weatherly? How much of an upgrade is it? Is it somebody that you're bringing in as a third down pass rusher? Because if, I don't know, um, you know, some of the names that you had mentioned, I mean, Ziggy Ansaw is still out there. Like, is that an upgrade over Stephen Weatherly if they went that route? Yeah, probably. But when are you bringing him in? If it's before training camp, that you, you, then you have a battle. That, that becomes one of your bigger position battles, assuming Daniil's here because – if he's not here, you're signing somebody. If he is here, you're still signing somebody. But it just becomes like that much more of a crisis if he's not here and you're having to figure out both defensive end spots. Okay, pie chart on this one. Who is it that everyone is talking about at the wide receiver position mm-hmm. by the end of mandatory minicamp? Because every year it's somebody. Every year we see three practices in a row and one guy, whether it's Davion Davis or Jordan Taylor, sometimes the player is good, but not those times. Uh, who are we talking about? I'll give you just nominations would be Amir Smith, Marset, uh, Wap Filer or Fillier. Fillier. Sorry. Or my Indiana, Indiana guy. He's going to have to earn me getting his name right. Yeah, he is. But um, I, I, I don't know. I saw something the other day. I actually kind of laughed about it. Like someone who had not been at practice was just like raving about Amir Smith, Marset, somebody who you know was writing. And I was like, "Excuse me, like, what if?" Here's the thing. Like, I want to I want to put all of those percentages at not available or TBD because even Chad Beebe, who has been your wide receiver three in training camp, or excuse me, in mini in in uh, OTA practices, like just because of sheer numbers and what they're doing with their you know formation, keeping things very very basic. It's an offense that works out perfect right now because all you need to do is run two receiver sets. But um, it's – I'd probably go ahead and say, like, the other – I'd take the field over any of those names that you mentioned just for right now because no one has stood out. Even, like, your veteran guy like Chad Beebe, and then you wonder kind of, okay, is B.C. Johnson done at this point? Like, he hasn't done anything to really impress you. But, granted, there's just, like, not a whole lot going on there. So I'll probably go – the feet I'll take, I'll call it the field. I'll take the field at like okay. 50%. I'll take, I'll take a WAP failure at like 
25 and then 25 with uh, Amir Smith-Marset. Because honestly, this is the one position group that, sure, there's there should be some buzz around like, okay, who's going to be wide receiver three? Because that person's also probably going to be doing punt or kickoff return or having some sort of duties on special teams. I mean, that's why they ended up drafting Amir Smith-Marset because of some of his return availabilities. I know it's not receiver, but Kenny Owangu is the same way uh, as a, as a kickoff returner. They've got to figure out those battles. That's going to determine, I think how they fill out their receiver depth chart. That's kind of always been the case here. They're a team that like relies heavily on special teams. Um, play with to fill out like who who the remainder of the receivers are I don't know if that's always the smartest move but that's just the way that they do things here so is BB that guy maybe I mean he's got the experience doing it and and they're probably doesn't feel like they're going to be looking towards the cornerback group the way that they have in the past to bolster some of that re- that return depth just the way they had with Mike Hughes but say receiver running back that's going to fill out those roles and that'll determine who is wide receiver three and four and five because I bet I honestly don't feel like they're going to keep more than five on the active roster I really don't yeah I agree with you and uh, I also think that um, the field is probably the right choice except for I'm just not sure who that's going to be based I know. on OTAs there, right there, like, there could be a late signing yeah. that's another one if you had to give me positions of how I think they're going to spend the remainder of their money in for agency it'd be defensive line wide receiver for wide receiver three and then maybe offensive line maybe find another veteran swing tackle to bring in or guard yeah i well i think they should still do that it's sort of surprising that they haven't um but there i was going to circle back there is a cottage industry on the internet of picking a random late draft pick or undrafted free agent and saying they're good like with no actual reason to say that. And then, you know, I yeah, guess and it's just not hoping. even just the, not even yeah. just the Mr. Mankato odds that we all have to pick before training camp starts and see if we are right. It's just some of the stuff I've seen. I'm like, wait, how, how did you know that? Or how, where did you come up with that? Because he has literally done nothing since the practice in the practices we've seen. So unless you want to blow me away, I mean, weren't we all saying the same thing or at least, fighting off the the notion that Jordan Taylor was any good during training during mandatory minicamp two years ago same thing with Davion Davis I mean there's always somebody at that position who pops up these three days and it'll be interesting to see who it is this year but I mean Watt Fillier had a good catch last week if I remember correctly in the red zone period um but it's like that's the type of thing I'm trying to remember like okay well BB took the reps in the slot with the ones here and then this day Watt Fillier did this like there's just not that much to go off of because I mean everything's so boring and basic right now and they're not really opening up the chance for a lot of guys to grab hold of those roles but give it time and and one of those guys is going to emerge and in mini camp's a good time to actually see some of that when you get into the 11 on 11. Right. That's when we see a lot more of real practicing than OTAs. And that's where usually somebody emerges. It doesn't generally mean a whole lot, but at least they set themselves up. Uh, Isaac Frickty did this years ago, or Mike Zimmer in his, I think, final press conference of minicamp said, you know, Isaac Frickty looked pretty great. Mm-hmm. And so I, an idiot, picked him for Mr. Mankato and he dropped the first three passes in the first preseason game and it was over. So, you know, that uh, that's how it goes. I just think it's funny that, you know, there's this, there's like been Ole Udo buzz for years on the internet. I'm like, I don't know, guys, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, but anyway, so here's, here's one that I've seen. Speaking of internet, uh, it became quite a headline on the net amongst fantasy football folk that, um, 
Mike Zimmer said, and this wasn't even this week. It was actually like a couple of weeks, but I don't know where this, this kind of came from uh, that. He said something about Irv Smith's role, not changing. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I felt like that was kind of a Mike Zimmer blow off. Whereas like, Mike, do you think his role will be different? And Mike's like, no, you know? So, I mean, and also he might be referring to the final four games of the season he was the starter. So his role might not be different from that. And then he said, all right, well now Tyler Conklin's got to kind of come into the limelight because he hasn't been a starter before. Irv has played a very high percentage of their snaps, pretty much every game that he's been in of his career. So I think that was Mike's point, but the fantasy folk uh, are very concerned about this because because they're worried about target share and usage and the whole thing. I totally understand it. When I asked Mike that question, I was asking about the change in, you know, it's just kind of like the general, like what, what more is going to be expected of him this year? Because when they drafted him in 2019, the clock started ticking on Kyle Rudolph's future. We knew that it was only a matter of time. And I, I think a lot of people were surprised even that year that they didn't move on from him. I mean, they ended up reworking his deal and, and, you know, giving him more money front and then they're gone and, you know, they're able to come two years later. Um, they could have started the clock on him then, but knowing what we know now of like, oh, Irv was swimming and, you know, all these things that Gary Kubiak could use to describe just how hard it is to play that position, especially in this offense when you're asked to block and you're asked to do a lot of things that he didn't have to do at Alabama. It was probably the right call for them to slow play that as much as possible. And then, he, sure, he dealt with some injuries last year, but when you put him into the starting lineup the last four games of the season because Kyle Rudolph was dealing with the Liz Frank that showed you, okay, the offense is in good hands with, with Smith and Conklin. Now what Zimmer was saying, I think it's just kind of a, um, you know, it's just kind of, I don't want him to change what he's doing. You know, his role's not changing that much. Okay. We understand that, but it is changing that much. Like he's going to be, and, and that's the thing when we talk about wide receiver three, I know that we've mentioned this many times before, like this offense is predicated on heavy tight end targets, at least the system that Kubiak and Shanahan created that we anticipate this being very similar this year with Clint Kubiak taking over your top tight end could also be your number three receiver just in terms of where the ball's going. So that's something that I anticipate being Irv Smith jr's role. And I don't think anybody, any fantasy players need to freak out about that. Now what Zimmer was saying about, it's going to be different for Tyler Conklin Tyler Conklin's going to be asked to block a lot. Like, I mean, and, and he's great, like, too, at, you know, he'd be a good fit for you on your down, short yardage situations, all of that. He's going to, his role is going to probably end up being a very heavy blocker, which is something Kyle Rudolph didn't want to do. He wanted to catch the ball. He wanted to be your red zone target. He wanted to be all these things. And Tyler Conklin will have a role now that's going to free up Herb Smith to do a lot more, if, especially if they're using these two tight end sets at a pretty heavy clip. Uh, you mean Kyle Rudolph, the former swing tackle, is what uh, he <laughs> described himself as. Yeah, that's how he felt. That's how he felt at the end of last year. Well, so pie chart this one for me then. Target share mm-hmm. between Tyler Conklin and Irv Smith of the total targets that go to tight ends. What percentage that do those two end up with? Um, sixty-five, thirty-five. I think that's fair, and that should add, that should add up to um a hundred. So it does. Bit of, Good job. You know, sixty-five for Irv Smith and thirty-five percent for Tyler Conklin. I like it. I think I'm. I mean, it would be like nitpicky. What came to my mind though was seventy thirty. That yeah. I I just don't think that Tyler Conklin is stealing all of these 
uh, targets unless Irv Smith ends up getting hurt. We mm-hmm. also heard from Clint Kubiak, and I know that Clint is sort of towing the line and, and doesn't want to say too much, but the one thing where he actually got excited was talking about Irv Smith. And mm-hmm. I think Irv looks noticeably bigger, as you said to him. He said, yeah. Irv, are you bigger? And well, the answer he looks is bigger. He looks yeah. better. And, and yeah. Clint Kubiak said that he came back in phenomenal shape, so they noticed it too. He looks he looks like a true tight end now, not like somebody who's going through like the process of transitioning um, from like a wide receiver hybrid type position that a lot of college tight ends look like to a true NFL tight end. Like he looks thicker, bigger, stronger, which is huge for this offense. Cause as we know, he's not just going to be sent out while catch passes or lined up as an inch back. Like they will use him to block. Cause that's just, that's what they, these tight ends have to do when you have a running game. That's as strong as the Minnesota Vikings. Like that's what they're called on to do. You got to be big enough to do that and handle it. Yeah, that's right. And I think he's done a fair job over his first two years and he can get better in that area. Uh, okay. So words written through mm-hmm. mini camp and training camp on Kellen Mond versus Kirk cousins percentages on those. Uh, because I mean, I, I, this doesn't mean to be a leading pie chart, but I feel like there's going to be more words written about the second, third, fourth quarterback than there will yeah. be about the starting quarterback when it comes to training camp and minicamp. Cause there are people who don't want to believe right now that Jake Browning's your guy, your quarterback too. And I, and I'm with you. Like I, I'd have, I have a hard time seeing it. Like, sure. If, if camp ended today and they're starting the season, that's your best option. But you didn't draft this guy with a third round pick and not have him to not have him be available on game day. Should you need him? Or even if they wanted to create some sort of goal line package, anything for him to integrate him into this offense. Um, I just can't see how that doesn't change over the next two months before we get to the regular season. But with all that said, words written um, total words, from everybody yeah just the percentage of words written about mon percentage of, of cousins oh, okay i thought you meant like total word count number I, i'm not that. asking you to guess the exact number of i'm words. gonna guess that honestly it's gonna be like 80 20 and it's gonna be mostly on mond of like is he the guy can he supplant kirk cousins you know when does he when does it click for him because we've heard from kirk and talking about you know last week when he was mentioning how he's approaching this because it's always a weird situation when you have to like your starting quarterback, your veteran guy in a spot where he has to like bring the new guy along. And like, usually it's not a big deal. Like if it's a Nate Stanley or Jake Brown and you know, that they're never going to threaten Kirk cousins for his job. Well, Kellen Mond isn't threatening Kirk cousins for his job, but the optics of having a third round pick in there and being like, all right, you train potential replacement is always a little, little, it's a little difficult to talk about. So I think that, you know, Kirk, the way that he's approached it, at least what he's talked about is he doesn't feel any pressure whatsoever, nor should he, but it is kind of his responsibility at this point. At least he's talked about it that way to bring him along, to provide whatever Kellen Mond would need. But, you know, that, that'll be something where it's a tired storyline for those of us who actually cover this team and are there every single day and like see it and understand it. But it's not, you know, to people who are on the outside being like, Oh, can he supplant Kirk Cousins? Absolutely not this year in the future, who knows, but it'll be written about quite a bit until, and it probably until like the halfway point of the preseason when, when training camp becomes preseason, then people are like, eh, you know, if he's not the backup by like week three of the preseason, then there's a serious problem in my opinion. 
Folks, if you are pumped up about how the Vikings did in the draft and now the schedule's out, it is a great time to get yourself a Skull Flag or Bud Grant shirt. And of course, there's much, much more if you go to sodastick.com. S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com. Check them all out. And if you use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER, you can get free shipping on all your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. And if you're ready for the summer months, we're going to have hockey playoffs, so you can get your dollar bill krill shirts. And if you're a golfer, you have to see the Minnesota golf hats. They are classic. All of Soda Sticks apparel is screen-printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You will love it. Follow them soda stick co on twitter go to sodastick.com for your original minnesota sports inspired goods code purple insider for free shipping hey everyone i want to tell you about our friends at scout logistics and i really do mean it when i say friends they are fans of purple insider over at scout logistics and since they reached out wanting to support this show i want to tell you about what they do scout logistics is just in time transportation for full tractor trailer loads and if you're wondering what that means exactly Well, if you own or work for a company that needs shipping solutions, they are the preferred carrier of Fortune 500 companies across North America, and we have quite a few of those in Minnesota, right? They can ship perishable, non-perishable, FTL or LTL, and they have on-time delivery rate of over 99%. So if you're like them and you enjoy the show and you have shipping needs, check out scoutlogistics.com or call 855-217-2688, extension 232, to connect with them directly to find out how Scout Logistics can minimize risk and overperform and go the extra mile for your company. I a hundred percent agree with that. If because I assume that the third one is going to be treated like the fourth one, yeah, which would mean if Jake Browning starts that, and then it's all aboard the Browning bus, and uh, ev- everyone is going to, like you said, I mean, kind of be in freakout mode a little bit that the guy that you drafted couldn't be the backup. And there's a scenario where that happens if he can't master the offense. We know Mike Zimmer is going to go with who he trusts. And I feel like at that point, there's going to be these raging debates again over the backup quarterback when it doesn't matter. And, no, that's, the really thing, and that's the thing with Mond is he's got to show us that he matters at some mm-hmm. point. Like right now, we don't know. And he's the fourth quarterback and whatever. And we'll see. That's a storyline for minicamp is does he get some of those second and third team reps as opposed to just mixing in he, every once in a while? He has not got a single second team rep, not from what I can tell from the beginning of OTAs till till now. He's been even like you know, I, you know, I love how we call it like, oh, just first, second, third team. Like he's the four string quarterback. Like I know they've been mixing second team reps between it seems like Browning has kind of grabbed hold the last two OTAs of like more of those reps. But Mond has gotten in in seven on seven and on in eleven on eleven, like with the very last bottom of the barrel of the crew. Uh, and I know that you don't you do it third, first through third because you don't have that many offensive linemen to create a fourth team. But he is a fourth team quarterback in every sense of the word right now because he's still grasping the offense. Like it's very much in its base form and like not very complicated, but he doesn't look comfortable right now. And that's probably a byproduct of just like how much is being thrown at you, what you have to do with it. Like you can't fault him for that, but like, I'm just being very realistic. 
that he's got a long way to go before he's even like remotely scratching backup quarterback territory. Right. And so that's why all the words written about Kellen Mond will sort of be for not a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a part of, there's like a push and pull part of me knowing that people want to hear about what's going on with Kellen Mond, but also realizing, look, uh, the history of third round picks says we shouldn't be talking about this a whole lot with, how important this season is for Kirk Cousins, but I think 80 20 is right. That that's kind of how it's going to go, where we all look at Cousins and say, We know who you are, and you know, we'll see if you can, you know, take this offense kind of back to where you were last year, but maybe not start one and five. Um, but I, I don't think there's like this storyline of Cousins taking the next step again. That no, has been that, the storyline of the past. That's, that's kind of so overplayed. Over. That's yeah. so overplayed at this point. And it's like, you know what you have in Kirk Cousins. You know that he can be a very good quarterback for you if you can get some of the other pieces right around him. I don't see it being like, well, what more can he do? Like, what's, you know, what's the next step for him? We've we've outplayed that because year one, it was a necessary storyline to see what, what they could do. Could they continue on their Super Bowl run? They take a step back. So because of the step back, it's, well, how much further can they get you? And then they go to the playoffs and it's how much further can they get you? Like, Four years in, that storyline has to be retired because you know how far he can get you. It's just everything else around him, that becomes an even bigger storyline. Okay, so this is the last one I have, which is percentage of kicks made during mandatory minicamp and training camp. And you know our friend Sam Ekstrom loves tracking the field. Oh, he loves tracking those things. I'm like, I can't even tell you where the distance is. My eyes don't see that well, so it's crazy. Sam running around saying, did he miss that one? Did he make that one? Is like a sport at training camp. Um, So percentage between Greg Joseph and Riley Patterson, if that's (laughs) indeed their names, uh, made during all mandatory minicamp and training camp sessions. And we will revisit this, this question, because if you think that they're going to cut one of those guys and bring in another kicker, this would sort of play into the question. I think. I bet it'll go 40% makes 60% misses (laughs) because this, they are two young kickers and it's nothing against them. It's just the circumstances of, of, of special teams and the focus on it. It's not like you have like a kicking battle and that's it. Like you have a punt return, kick return, all these return specialists. Um, you have competition there. You have two kickers, one of which was a practice squad kicker for the Bucks last year. Like he was with the Browns for a little bit. You know, he clearly has a long way to go. And then Riley Patterson too. I think they signed him as a UDFA. Um, there's not a lot of experience to go around here. And this is not exactly a team and a coach that does well with, with kickers who are making mistakes and that have, you know, put the team in a tough spot. Like, and especially coming off of the season that Dan Bailey had last year, that's going to be really tough for Mike Zimmer to exhibit any patience when it comes to special teams, especially the kicking game. So I think there will be more misses than makes, and this could be the, you know, a big Achilles heel for this team. You know, people don't realize how much pressure there is in these training camp and mandatory mini camp slash OTA field goals. Everyone stops in the whole field and just stares at you. If you're the mm-hmm. kicker, it's probably more pressure than it is kicking in a game where you're in a stadium full of people. And it's lots of background noise. Like you can feel Mike Zimmer's laser eyes cutting through your soul as you're yeah. lining up the, uh, the field goal. So, okay. Uh, well, you probably have a flight to get to i assume at some I point do. um what is your what do you do usually when you're not going to do a podcast when it comes to layovers because 
I hate I, layovers. The worst, the worst. I can't get any work done. It's just sort of I, distracting. There's like a lot of people around. Uh, one time I went out of my way to go get some food and then my flight adjusted its time and I missed it. So, Ooh, yeah, that's, that's like, good. right. No, no, it was, it wasn't a great situation. I got on the next one. It was only like an hour later. So I, I lucked out, but um, yeah, it was one of those things where they had bumped it back and then they moved it forward or something. I don't know. It was, or I didn't have the time, right. It was my fault. I'm sure. But uh, I have sort of like layover fear now every time. So I kind of like grip onto my bag and sit right next to the, the, um, you know, wherever the gate. The, the, the gate. Yeah. So it's, it's not great. Are you, are you, are you, do you have like layover anxiety? No, not really. I know that. Um, I know that like I'll get work done. I know that I'll listen to whatever to kind of keep me awake. So I don't fall asleep and miss my flight. That has never happened to me. Um, fortunately, what has happened to me is being in the middle of an interview once and then another time covering you know trying to break the story about this back in like 2013 2014 this um prospect that was committing to Ole Miss or Mississippi State I had an exclusive and I was like trying to like my my hardest to get this whole thing out and the plane left without me at the gate because I didn't hear them being like all oh, last call like everybody on so that's the only anxiety I would have is that I wouldn't hear it but I'm, I'm with you I'm like just sit by the gate wait it out um, get a little work done here and there and then, and then call it a day when you get on the plane. I think what happened to me now that I think about it is when they moved the flight back, they said the flight now is at, let's just say 1040. I mm-hmm. interpreted that to mean the flight will be boarding at 1040. Sure. Not it will be leaving at 1040. <laughs> oh, God. So I will never make that mistake again. So while well, I'm glad that uh, you could take the time from the Philadelphia airport where there are memories and uh, we will see you out on the field tomorrow. Then See you then.